Genesis chapter 50. We're going to be there, the last chapter in Genesis, the first book in, the, in your Bible. Um, many years ago, I once was a college student. My, my, uh, when I turned 18, my parents bought me a, a new bicycle. It was a nice bike. The plan was I was going to ride around the University of Florida when they dropped me off for school. And um, it was a brand new red Swin $400 bike, a super nice bike. And uh, so I was super excited. And my first day, they dropped me off at school. It was like freedom. I got my new bike out, and I decided to explore the campus. I was going to go find my classes. I was just excited to be a college student. And so I started, you know, riding around campus, and I, and I found these inter, this university group that was playing Ultimate Frisbee. They invited me to play Frisbee with them, so I played till dark. And then when it was nighttime, I decided, well, I better go home. I didn't know where I was going. I was lost. Never been there before. So I get on my new bike, and I'm just cruising along, going at pretty good speed. And, and this is before I had uh, knew I was going to marry a, a girl named Sarah Wilson. And so I saw these two girl joggers there on, at, 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 on campus, and so I wanted to let them know that John Wilson was in town, you know, that I was here now. And so I, 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 I ride by them, and I just kind of give them that, you know, I'm not looking ahead anymore. I'm kind of, you know, giving them the, the hello. And uh, when I turned back to the front, I noticed something was seriously wrong. It was a bunch of stairs going down, Okay like 20 of them. And the brand new bike, it worked great. It stopped on a dime. The problem was I kept going. And I landed about halfway down. And I'm telling you, I, th- I almost died. I mean, I was, I was, my first day, I had to call my dad. I was like, I don't know if I, I'm bleeding, dad. I mean, I was, I was hurt so bad, I couldn't even get on the bike and ride it home. I had to like limp. I was bleeding from several places. Like it was, like, my shirt was torn. The girl joggers didn't even stop. They laughed. My pride was hurt. I was hurt. My first day. And uh, I tell you that story because uh, physically, I, if you can just picture me, all beat up, bleeding, limping, I can't help but think there's several people that came that way, spiritually speaking, into church today. Um, The Lord laid this message on my heart the last few weeks, and, um, you know, because I think we've all been wounded by somebody. Uh, I, 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 I'm kind of, my conviction is that, that there's no way you can live in this world and not be hurt by others. Sin is just too widespread, and especially, why is it in, 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 in the church, especially, you're hurt more often inside the walls than you are outside the walls. Maybe you still have trust issues today. You've been hurt by a spouse, a a boss, a church member, a parent, a child. Someone has hurt you so bad that they can't make it up. They can't make it right. They can't work off the debt that they owe. So you as a believer, what do you do? This morning I want to speak to you on the subject of forgiving debtors. C.S. Lewis once said, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Because it's hard. 
And besides Jesus, if someone in the Bible shows us a picture of what biblical forgiveness looks like, I think you can see it very clearly in the life of Joseph, who was betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, and back then, your family was everything. I mean, he literally has not even the the coat that he had because they, they took that from him. He had nothing. And so some 32 years have gone by, and we pick up in Genesis 50. 32 years later, after they have betrayed him. So, so let's, let's, let's start in verse 15. When, jo- when Joseph's brothers had seen that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him? So they sent instructions to Joseph, saying, your father commanded us before he died, saying, this is what you shall say to Joseph. Please forgive I beg you the offense of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. And now please forgive the offense of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God... God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to keep many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. You know, a relationship is it's built on, on trust. And notice it's not Joseph that's not trusting his offenders. It's actually the offenders that still do not trust Joseph, right? And, and they, they think the worst of Joseph. They put themselves in his place and try to think, like, if, if, if I was him, this is what I would do, the most powerful person in Egypt, and you know what I would do? I would seek revenge now that daddy is gone. And Grace Church, I think there are some principles in this text that's going to help us to, uh, if we can apply to our lives, it's going to help us to restore broken relationships that may be in our life. It's going gonna, it's gonna to help us to find freedom over some painful experiences that we've been through, or maybe even uh, help us to know if we've really actually forgiven someone from the heart. So what does the Bible say when it comes to forgiving those who hurt you? The first thing I think we can, we can see in verse 15 through 17, it says that forgiveness is, is possible even with a pretend apology. Forgiveness is possible even with a pretend apology. Look what what Moses wrote here in verse 16. So they sent instructions to Joseph saying, Your father commanded us before he died, saying, This is what you shall say to Joseph. Please forgive. I beg you the offense of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. Now please forgive the offense of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept. Now did Jacob actually command these other brothers to do this? No. No. They, 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 this is a, they're, they're concocting a, a story that's kind of manipulative because they're bringing God into it and they're bringing their dead, their dead daddy into it because they're trying to save their own skin. The Bible actually never records, you know, 32 years have gone by, and the Bible actually never records a hint of an apology from any of Joseph's brothers before this Genesis 50, by the way. They had 32 years to kind of make things right. And then... In the last chapter here, before Joseph dies, they, they come with a, that's not even an honest story. And, and Joseph sees right through it, and that's why he's, he's, he's weeping. And, and, and I know that the, the Bible, it, it speaks to the extent of how, we're, how many times we're supposed to 
forgive someone that, that, that hurts us. You remember Peter said, Jesus, you know, am I supposed to forgive someone seven times? And that's a lot. And Jesus responds back by saying, no, 70 times seven, meaning, you know, it's countless. If the, if, the, if the person that offends you keeps coming back and asking forgiveness, we as believers are, 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 are called to, to, to forgive. And if I'm honest, if someone has hurt me once, I may turn the cheek once, but the second time they hurt me, I'm probably going to throat punch them. Right? And Because and, and this, this apology is not even legit it's because they're not being honest. And, their, and besides that, their apology was cowardly. Look in verse 16. It says, so the brothers, they sent instructions to Joseph. They didn't go themselves. They sent messengers to speak on their behalf. This is what you shall say to Joseph, it says. And then they show up later. And when Joseph's weeping, he's weeping because the messengers are there, not even his brothers. And it reminds me, if someone who has hurt you can't even come to you in person and apologize in person, then I don't think that's a genuine apology, right? I mean, how, how childish is, is that? And their, their, their apology was, was, was cowardly, and their apology, it didn't even bring clarity. Verse 17, it says, And now please forgive the offense of the servants of the God of your father. You know, Grace Church, just saying I'm sorry, it's a start, but repentance requires a little bit more. And, and husbands, let me, let me tell you from experience, this is, this is what you don't do. You don't go to your wife and you say, I'm sorry you got, you got upset from what I said. Are we good? You know, I, I, I'm sorry you took it that way. That's not a real apology. You needed to go ahead and lay out the offense. Am I right? I'm sorry for lying to you and not being patient with you, not speaking kindly to you. Would you please forgive me? Because I don't want to be that kind of guy. And would you also pray for me? Because I want to change. And I can't promise I won't ever do it again because I'm a sinner, but pray for me. That, that, that's, that, you're getting more on track of what an apology really is, right? But what do you do with, with maybe a, a parent who doesn't recognize any, any wrong they have done to you or maybe an abusive father that's no longer here? Or, and, and you know the apology isn't coming. They've moved away. They passed away. The apology isn't coming. The repentance isn't coming. What do you do as a believer? Hey, married folks, you may never get the apology that you're looking for. Your spouse may never see what they did that hurt you. And I want you to, to, to know, Grace Church, based on, on God's word, you and I, we can forgive that person even if the relationship never gets fully restored. Yes, true biblical forgiveness, it involves reconciliation. Reconciliation can't happen without repentance on the part of the offender. But what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is canceling a debt that is owed to you. It's releasing the bitterness. It's getting rid of what the New Testament says, getting rid of all malice, getting rid of all bitterness, putting it to the side, 
releasing the hate and the hurt in your heart. And listen, Grace Church, when unforgiveness grips your heart, you will serve time in a spiritual prison for crimes that you did not even commit. Dr. Allen has put it this way. He said that drinking bitterness is like, uh, or bitterness is like drinking poisonous and expecting the other person to die. The real person being hurt and, forget, and unforgiveness is the victim. And an unforgiving spirit hurts you more than anyone else. And I want you to know there is an aspect of forgiveness that can occur, that must occur, even when the apology never comes. Because what that person did, whatever they said, whatever they did, if not, it's gonna, the offense is going to take your mind captive. You're going to be waking up every morning thinking about it. It's, gonna, it's, it's, it's like a prison. It steals you from sleep. It steals you from peace. It steals you from joy. And we don't have to wait for that person who offends you to apologize. Jesus did it. On, on the cross, he asked his father to forgive his enemies while he's still on the cross. He asked his father to forgive them. Notice what J- Joseph never says to his brothers. I forgive you. He never, it's never recorded in, those, in, in the text that he says that. And you know why? I think he's already dealt with it. I think he's already forgiven them years ago before they ever showed up. It's them that haven't gotten over it. And so how do, how do we know that Joseph has already forgiven his brothers? And it's because there is power in forgiveness. The power of forgiveness changes the heart. You can see it in Joseph's life. You can see it in how he converses with his brothers. You can see how he, he converses with the offenders. Look in verse 19. Do not be afraid, for I am I in God's place. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God, he meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to keep many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. Joseph has been dealing kindly with them for the last 17 years since Genesis chapter 45. Uh, when, they, when, they, when he reveals himself to them in, in chapter 45, he tells them, go back to Canaan, get our dad, come back, don't even bring your stuff because I'm going to give you everything that is the nicest stuff in Egypt. It's going to be yours. We're, I'm going to settle you in the nicest part of Egypt in Goshen. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of your children. He speaks kindly to them. He takes an interest in them. He blesses the socks off of them. That's not someone that's holding bitterness. That's not someone that's seeking revenge. He's dealt with it. And and the Bible never records, by the way, again, the Bible never records the brothers asking for forgiveness. They beg for grain. They beg for food. They never beg for forgiveness until Genesis 50, and it's not even a legitimate... Apology. And, I, I, and you know why I, I think there's another hint in the, in the Bible why I think Joseph has already released them of their debt, and it's because of what he's named his children. Way back in Genesis chapter 41. Now, not, not, every, not every name that we, you know, all our kids are, we don't always name them names that mean something. Um, you know, my name, John Michael, for years, my dad told me, it was a Bible name, John the Baptist and Michael the Archangel. You're named after Bible names, which is, you know, I believed that until I got into college and I went and visited my mom's sister. And uh, it, it turns out that I found out that my mom's 
uh, ex-boyfriend before she married my dad. His name was John Michael. <laughs> and so I confronted her about it. I was like, did you name me after your ex-boyfriend? She didn't deny it. So not every person has a name that means something good. But, you know, I, I, can't, I can't think of I, I, our little girl, Kate. Um, when Sarah was 15, her two best friends were killed in a car wreck, her cousins. And their names were Catherine and Rebecca. And so Kate is named after Sarah's cousins. You know what? Obviously, that, mean, that, that means a lot to Sarah. You know what, what Joseph names his two boys? The first one is Manasseh. And here's what the name means. He, he, he says, For God has made me forget all my affliction and all my father's household. Not only is he forgiven, he's getting to the part where I don't know if we ever really, a lot of us ever get to, where you forget it. It's, possible to, it's a lot easier to forgive than it is to forget. Only God really forgets chooses to remember no more. He named his first son Manasseh. God has made me forget. Ephraim's his second born. And it says, For God has made me doubly fruitful in the land of my affliction. Years before his brothers ever show up in Genesis 45. And, and I think there's only one reason. I mean, you can see that it's hard. I mean, Joseph is weeping. It's not easy. But I think there's only one main reason that, that Joseph is able to forgive without an apology, and it comes down to what their name is, God has made me. Forgiveness, y'all, it, it requires the Lord. It requires God to forgive someone from the heart who's really hurt you. It's not something that you can do on your own. But here's the thing. The same power that came into your life and transformed you and made you a new creation is the same power that is still inside of you that is enabling you to forgive the things that you can't. So Grace Church, are you praying, Lord Jesus, help me to pray and to love my enemies? Are you praying that way? Are you, are you praying, Lord, help me to bless those who curse me. Lord, help me to pray for those who, who have abused me because we can't pick and choose the, 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 the Bible that we like and the Bible that we don't like. We, must, we, as believers, must do our part in forgiveness whether the offender is repent or apologetic or not. And so how else do we know that Joseph has a willing heart to forgive Let's, let's turn back in your Bibles to Genesis 45. Let's go back 17 years uh, ago. And, and when he's, he's now just revealing his, his identity to his brothers, they don't recognize him. It's been that long. And, he, and so in verse 1, we know that, that, uh, that Joseph's forgiveness is sincere, that it's occurred because he first clears the room. You know, look at verse 1 and what it says. Then, then Joseph could not control himself in front of everyone standing before him, and he shouted, Have everyone leave me? So there was no one with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. You know what an unforgiver would do? An unforgiver would get, Egyptians, y'all come in. Let me air out and tell you every single thing these men have done to me. Is that right? 
not what he does. He clears the room. Y'all, when you look at this account of Joseph, you never see in all these chapters complain about his brothers to anybody. He never airs out their dirty laundry to anybody. Maybe you have grown up in in, in a divorced family, and so you might understand what I'm talking about. But when, when two people have a broken relationship and they are mad and bitter at one another, you know what they try to do? They try to turn you against the other one. So they tell you every single thing the other person did against the, you know, the other spouse to, so that you are in the mess with them. I, imagine me at Grace Church, someone hurting me severely, and me going home and airing that out to Sarah. Now how is Sarah going to view that person? I'm bringing her into the mess where she's got to deal with the anger and she's got to deal with the bitterness. Now she's got to forgive. So what do I mean by by clearing the room? You know, it's it's laying a veil over the offender's sin. That's what it means when the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. Joseph, he, he, he clears the room. He doesn't go on social media and bash them. You know, Grace Church, that someone is serious about forgiveness when the gossip stops. Venting, venting is what you do when you want vengeance. So you've been hurt. I get it. What do you do? Let me give you some advice. Number one, number one, you find a close friend that you can confide in. That, That doesn't run their mouth. You, 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 you ask them to pray with you and for you and, and for godly counsel. Who will cry with you? Number two, you need to know that forgiveness is both a decision and a process. It's a decision and a process. It's a, it's a coming before God and, and, and your feelings may not be there, but you know that as a believer, we must forgive. We're going to talk about that in Grace Group this week. As believers, we must forgive. It's not like an option. We're going to talk about the parable of the unforgiving servant. And so your feelings may not be there, but you know, you're know you going before the Lord and you're making a decision. Lord, I, I'm going to, I want to forgive this person. I need you to help me. And so I'm going to do three things because it's a process. One, I'm not going to bring it up to that person anymore. I'm not going to bring it up to them anymore. Number two, I'm not going to bring it up to everybody else. I'm not going to turn everybody else against that person either. Number three, and the hardest, and I'm not going to bring it up to myself. And it's a process because you're going to see that person again and you're going to have to start all over and go back to the throne of grace. And gradually, you're going to find freedom, though, because it's a process. So you see that the power of forgiveness has changed Joseph's heart and how he he converses with them. It's how he first clears the room when he should let them have it. And then, and then third, it, it, it allows the possibility of coming closer. True forgiveness. When someone has forgiven for the heart, it actually allows the possibility of coming closer. Now listen, Joseph is a better example than me. I want to spiritually stiff-arm someone that hurts me. I don't let them really that close anymore. I kind of keep them at arm's distance. And, and if you've been hurt by someone and they aren't repentant, you don't let them in your life again to hurt you. All right? Is that clear? Someone's a creepo, you don't need to let them back in. You need to forgive them, though. But it allows the possibility of coming closer. 
Look what it says in verse 4 of Genesis 45. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come closer to me. And they came closer. Biblical forgiveness, it comes full circle when reconciliation occurs. Now, now, Grace Church, there is an aspect of forgiveness that if you are a believer in, in Jesus Christ, you just need to have the willingness to forgive. And the reconcilia- reconciliation is not going to happen without repentance, right? But, but, but forgiveness is about releasing you from the bitterness. It's about releasing you from the hurt and the, and, and the harm. That, so you're not in this spiritual prison for the rest of your life. And it's allowing God's grace to come and wash over your wounds and, and heal you. And living in freedom. But the full picture of forgiveness is seeing what, ha- what happens with, 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 with us when we're forgiven by Jesus Christ. It's not just, John, you can go free. I've paid your debt. I, you know, I, I, I couldn't pay the Lord. It was the, it was the debt of 10,000 talents. I could not pay it. I, there was no way I could spend my life to make it right. He forgave it. He paid it all in my place. And the gospel is, is more than that now that you can just go free, that your, your sins have been forgiven. The gospel that the Apostle Paul preached that was demonstrated in power by the Spirit was a, was, was, a, was a gospel that says that now that your debt has been paid, now that the Lord doesn't count your transgressions against you, now that he has canceled the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us and nailed it to the cross so that we bear it no more, now that the debt has been paid, God tears the veil in half and gives an invitation to come near. Come close. That's what salvation really is. Enjoying the presence of a person. It's only by the power of of God that changes the heart can you say to that person who sins against you to come near. So if your marriage is on the rocks today, you have a strained relationship in in, in your life, and you, you want to reconcile, the number one essential ingredient in healthy marriage is forgiveness. It's, it's, it's two people that enjoy canceling each other's debts. It's two people that do not keep records of wrong. That's God's prescription to heal broken relationships. And you see it in the beginning of the Bible. I love how Genesis, there's no other religion that came out with it first. This is a Christian idea because this is what the God of the Bible demonstrated to us first. It's forgiveness. It's the only way to make broken relationships restored. That's the answer. And I know it's hard, and I know it seems impossible, but I want to ask you a question. Maybe you're thinking, there's no way God can restore this relationship. Let me ask you a question. Do you really, really believe in the bottom of your heart that God raised Jesus from the grave? you really believe that? And if God is able to raise a dead man up from the grave, he can certainly restore your marriage. Or he certainly can restore that relationship. If he has the power to do that, this is easy. Grace Church, it's even possible, you know what, it's even possible for a broken relationship that is now restored by forgiveness to be stronger now than it was before. That's how powerful the gospel is. 
That's how powerful forgiveness is. So forgiveness, there's power in it to change the heart. You see that in the life of Joseph. And then lastly, forgiveness is found in resting in the sovereign providence of God. I think this is how Joseph was able to get there. Because he found forgiveness when he started to rest in the providence of God. Look at verse 20 in chapter 50 with me. So that, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God, he meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to keep many people alive. Now, you know, the the, the purpose clause, there's two two ways we can kind of see the purpose clause. One time, sometimes it says, so that, or the other way is, in order that, or in, in order to. You see the purpose clause there in verse 20? Hey, Joseph sees the purpose of it. That's very, very helpful. This, this present result, Joseph was able to transition from having the mindset of a victim to having the mindset of a victor because of one reason. He started to have a grasp on the almighty providence of God. You know, God, he, 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 he's created it all. He, he owns it all. He runs it all. He controls it all. And providence is simply just saying that it's God's execution of his plan in your life and, and it's knowing that God is able to overrule sin in your life. He's able to overrule it because he's the sovereign Lord of all. Somehow. He didn't make them sin against him, but he's able to then use what they did to carry out his purpose. Somehow. Now, I, I, don't, I don't know if Joseph arrived at this overnight, I'm sure it was hard. I'm sure it was many nights in prison. I'm sure it was many nights when he was in Potiphar's house as a slave. Why me? Why thinking God? It doesn't make sense. We may never understand on this side of heaven why. That's why C.S. Lewis once, once speculated that the first words out of our mouth when we take our first breath in heaven is going to be, of course, of course, of course. Now I understand, God, what you are doing. Grace Church, you may never get to the point where you forgive and forget. I hope you get to the point where you forgive. But you can get to the point where, where you can forgive and remember what happened to you in a different light and see it through a different lens that the, the evil that was intended against you, God actually meant it for good. God is able to use it for good. How is that possible? Just name the afflictions that Joseph goes through. And is God in control of the whole situation? Yes. I think of the cross. It doesn't look like God is in control one bit, right? I mean, the Romans and the Jews are crucifying Jesus. But who's in control of the whole situation? And who is able to use what sinful men do to Jesus for not only Jesus' good, but our good? That's the sovereign God. And if God is in control on the cross, you can take it to the bank. He's in control of the darkest moments of your life. He's even in control of the most hurtful things that, that, that has happened to you, and he is able to work them for your own good. All things, not some things, all things work together for good for those who love him. And so, Grace Church, are you willing? Are you willing? This is tough. 
This is for the this is this is for the mature Christian. Are you willing to suffer a little so that God can bring about his perfect result in your life? Right? What are you willing to do go through so that you are made more and more into the image of Jesus Christ and that Jesus is exalted? What are you willing to go through? That's why Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers that's ever lived, that's why he said once, I have learned to kiss the waves that throw me against the rock of ages. In the midst of the storm, I have learned to kiss the waves that throw me against the rock of ages. As we are tying this up, you know, my wife told me the other day that, that, that churches in America, we, we seem to celebrate brokenness and make it like a good thing. And what we want to do is acknowledge that it exists and acknowledge that it's okay. That we are all, at times, broken. And it's okay. If that's you this morning, that's okay. It's okay to be broken, but on the authority of God's word, you know what? It's not okay to stay broken for the rest of your life. God's will for your life is for you to become a victor, not a victim. God's will for your life is to be healed. And there's only one way that that can happen. It's not going to be you need more time. 32 years is not enough for Joseph's brothers. The only way that can happen is if you let the grace of God come in and cover it. It can't be paid. It can't be made right. Nothing can do to settle the account. The Lord one day will, by the way. That's why it says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. He, justice wins out. But he wants us to forgive. And here's the thing, you don't, you don't get the debt covered by grace. And you know what, there's a progression that's going to happen in your heart. The hurt and the anger is going to turn into bitterness, and the bitterness is going to turn into a callousness, an apathy in your heart where you just don't care. And I have seen it in professing Christians, in their eyes, when they, they come and tell me that they are done. It could be marriage, it could be this, their relationship, they're done. You see it in their eyes. Their heart is so hard, they're never going to forgive. You know, um, when, when I go see my sister in Tampa, she lives off the last exit in Tampa, that if you miss that exit, you then got to go to St. Petersburg. You know what I'm talking about? The name of that bridge? What's the name of that bridge? I hate it. It's happened to me a couple times. Okay? You miss this last exit, there is no turn off until you get to St. Petersburg. And it's like, what do they call that bridge? The 14-mile bridge or something? I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. And if you had an appointment, you're going to be late. That's what it's like if you choose to harden your heart and not forgive. You get to the point where there's no turn off. You find yourself in St. Petersburg, not Tampa. Grace Church, we've talked the last few weeks, about our destination as a church and, 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 and what our goal is, is to be a ascending church that's composed of, of missional believers. But can I tell you, you will never be sent out when you can't move being hurt. You will never be sent out if you can't move past being sinned against. 
the, the last person who will become a missional believer who is leveraging their life for the sake of the gospel is someone who has been so traumatized and so hurt and so wounded and angry and bitter that they are unable to even fight on the battlefield. And, 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 and actually what they need is about 10 other believers to take care of them the rest of their life and nurse them back. Hurt people, if not healed, will hurt people. You'll carry it into the next relationship that you have. And so, as we close this morning, I want to give you a chance to respond to God's word and what he is telling you this morning. You know, believers, you know what the Lord's Prayer really says when we say, Our Father who art in heaven? We, we, we say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You know what that's really saying? You ever pray this way? Father, to the extent that I forgive someone else, forgive me that way. That's what that's saying. How much I forgive others, that's how much I want you to forgive me. That's a scary thought. But that's what... That's what Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray in the Lord's Prayer. To the extent that I forgive someone else, Lord God, you forgive me that much. And so maybe there's someone that that this week you need to go to and ask for forgiveness. Or tell, hey, I forgive you. Maybe you're here and, 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 and you know that your sins have never been forgiven. We're going to have Mr. Cliff and Colin, I'm going to be up here. If you're a lady and you'd rather speak, because we're scary men, you'd rather speak to a lady. I'm sure Ms. Meyer would love to, to, to talk with you and pray with you. If you've never come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you know that you know that your sins have been casted as far as the east is from the west, that he has buried them at the depths of the ocean floor, and he chooses to remember them no more, I want to invite you to come to him. Because that's what really what salvation is. Salvation isn't just my sins are paid. I can go do what I want. The salvation is your, your sin has been paid. You have been clothed with the righteousness of Christ. It's like you've never sinned. And so that way you can come now into the holy of holies and enjoy perfect fellowship with the sovereign God of the universe. Maybe you're here this morning and you know that you're a believer. But you're busy. And you've let your busyness keep you from you know, enjoying what salvation really is about. You don't have a forgiveness problem. You have a fellowship problem. I want to give you a chance to respond to what the Lord is leading you to do, Grace Church. Will you stand with me, please? Father God, your, your word says that to not let the sun go down on our anger for a reason. Because you know what happens in our hearts, and you love us more than we love ourselves. You, 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 the future that you, you won for us is better than any future that we could even have planned for our own life. And God, we, we acknowledge that you're sovereign. God, we, we thank you for how you've given us a beautiful picture of what forgiveness really is. You didn't leave us in the dark and then give us this commandment to go forgive those who have hurt us. And so, God, I, I, we acknowledge that it's hard and that we need your help. And so, God, I I pray that you would help your people 
God, that you would, you would let the, your grace come into their hearts and heal the hurt, to mend the broken hearts. God, help us to be and see how you and your power are able to make the most hurtful things in our life turn out for our own good. We give you all the praise and glory and honor because you are worthy of it, that we serve a God who is able. And so, God, I pray that you would, you would heal your people. We ask this in your holy name we pray. Amen.